Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. So today, Michelle Woodward has, is coming back. She's an executive coach in the DC area, and we're going to have a conversation about what do you really need to know to know when it's time to make a change. And we're going to talk about the different things and the steps about what is it that you need to know and learning to trust yourself. We're going to talk about getting clear about what you want and also about some important words and the languages that we use. And along with you know, one thing that we always talk about on the show is our mindset. What are the stories that we're telling ourselves? So I will circle back with you after the interview. Thanks so much for listening today. Michelle Woodward, hello and welcome back. I am just so thrilled to be here. I can hardly believe it. It's so exciting. <laughs> so we're going to talk today about what do you really need to know to know whether you need to make a change? I don't know about you, but I get this question all the time. Um, how do I know I need to make a change? How do I even get there to think, you know, this is not just me. I'm just, you know, high maintenance. I'm just a problem child, blah, blah, blah. All these things we say to ourselves um, because I think the idea of change is so confusing to people. Do you hear this a lot too? Change is confusing to people and that I am high maintenance or I'm the problem child, right? All of a sudden we put that back on ourselves instead of looking at the situation objectively. Right, because we're so used to the trash talking ourselves. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> oh. But you know, it's so funny. So the first thing I would say, and I'd love your perspective on this, is that you have to realize something isn't the way you'd want it to be. Like something's just not working. Something's just not right. And just as though we know that sometimes people equate feeling hungry with equals bad. You know, sometimes this idea is, uh, this is not working. We're not even acculturated enough to understand that we're hungry, right? We put that down as my stomach hurts. And so we don't even know, we don't want to open the door to say, wow, this isn't working the way I want it to work. So I think we have to get to that place where like, you know, I am constantly complaining every night when I come home about my commute. Mm -hmm. That has got to change. So what stops people, especially like your clients, from making that change, like from leaving that job? What's the thing that stops them? It has four letters and the first letter is F and the last letter is R. I guess you can guess the two in between F-E-A-R, fear. Uh -huh. I mean, I, the number of people who say, well, you know, I kind of got it wired here. I've been here long enough. I, I know how to work this system. What if I jump to a new job and... It's worse, and I don't know how to work it. Mm -hmm. So the devil I know versus the devil I may not know is the biggest thing um, that I see. And this this fear that they I, I had talked to a guy this week who started a new job. He's been there three weeks, and he said, "I just I'm not an expert yet." And I said, "Hold up, 
who says you're going to be an expert in three weeks? <laughs> Which your last job, when you first day you started there, did you know as much you, as you did the last day you were there? And by that time, he started to laugh. And I'm like, really? You're, you're expecting you're going to come in the first day and be as knowledgeable as you're going to be on the last day you spend there. What is up with that? Which then started a really useful conversation about, you know, his, his expertise and his feeling like his expertise and his job title needed to, to, you know, if you've hired me to be a vice president, I got to be a vice president. Like what you got to be is a learner. How about that? Mm-hmm. That's so important. What do you think people, the first step in, in sort of a change cycle needs to be? What do you really need to know to know to make a change? Well, and I think it's it's just that awareness of what's going on. If there is that constant complaining, if there is that not fit, like being aware. And then what are the things that are getting in the way? What are you telling yourself? I know with some of my clients, they have this fear of, I this is a really good job. You know, I make really good money. I have a lot of executives that I work with. And that's that's the problem. Like, well, if I have flexibility, I make really good money, how can I leave? And because what if I won't have that somewhere else? And um, so one is like paying attention to what are the the limitations that you're believing, and then pay attention to you know does this like if we're talking about a job situation, does it the workplace align with your values? Is there still growth opportunities there? And what is it that you want to create for yourself? What's the next maybe five years that you'd like to have for yourself? So, and I think kind of paying attention to that and not having the drama of our brain, but really like looking at it, kind of putting down a list of what is it that I want? What are the things that I think believing? And then from here, getting some clarity of, okay, where, where can I move forward and being resourceful? How's that sound? That's right. And it's, you know, I think on the outset, what am I tolerating? You know, what am I putting up with? What's not working right whether it's in a job, in your household, uh, any anything, your relationships, wh- what's just not working? What, what am I tolerating? What am I putting up with? And then the second phase of awareness, I think, is also who am I? You know, um, am I using my best skills and talents in this particular situation? Is there part of my my strengths I need to flex right here? You know, have I maybe outgrown a certain situation, like outgrown a job, um, outgrown a habit? You know, I mean, there's a there's habits we need to change and maybe you've just sort of outgrown them. So I think the first step is that really awareness. What's not working? Who am I? What do I want to do more of? What, what do I bring to the table? And then and then I think once you kind of get that stuff together is the is getting the vision of what is it that, that I'd like to happen instead of what is currently happening. Like what you're saying, mm-hmm. you know, I'd like to be in a job where people value my uh, contribution. I think that's an important thing to write down. I'd like to be in a relationship where I'm valued and special. I think that's important. And I'd like to be in a house where not every closet is crammed full of crap. <laughs> Speaking only for myself. No, actually, I've been cleaning out closets, and so I feel very, I feel very zen about that. But you know, there are a lot of people who are tolerating things in their physical um, environment 
that they're just putting up with like, oh, it'll probably cost way too much money to get that gutter fixed. Mm -hmm. And so they leave the gutter and then pretty soon the gutter falls off the house and then pretty soon the roof falls apart and then they really don't have enough money for a, you know, $15,000 new roof or whatever it's going to cost. So my, that's my, my thought is, is that you really have to understand what, what's, what's going on. What's the vision of what I would like to have happen. You do a lot of work with people around their visions, don't you? They're envisioning. Am I right? Um, I, you know, what, what is it that you would like to move forward in? Peter Walsh, one of my guests, he always, he has this great question and he's the clutter guy of what is the vision you have for this space? And then you can take it to what is the vision you have for your career? What is the vision you have for your marriage, for your family, for your life? And in looking forward and thinking, okay, this is what I want to create. Now, what are the steps to get there? What do I think the steps are to get there? Obviously, the pathway is going to be interesting and maybe a bit curvy. Especially if it's mine, it's very curvy. I'm just saying. Because <laughs> we love curves. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I'm thinking about writing this blog post. And um, and it's really it's something I kind of stole from Hero Boga. I believe has been a guest on yes. your show before. But uh, so Hero has been talking about what is the story of your business. And I thought, you know, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write out the story of my career. Um, so, you know, my daughter, Grace, is 19. And when she was in high school, she played on a softball team, one of those, <clears throat> pardon me, travel teams that, you know, they play 12 months out of the year, travel all over the place, sort of a higher elite team. And one of her coaches was this guy, Barry, who I really connected with. I thought Barry was great. I thought his wife was great. And Barry and I went to lunch one day and we were talking and he mentioned something about his wife. And it turned out his wife and I went to the same high school. She was a year behind me in high school. And I had never connected his wife maiden name with who she was as an adult, nor had she connected me together with my new life. And it turned out not only did she go to high school, but she we went to the same college, <laughs> which is like just crazy. So the other day she emailed me and she said, I'm decluttering and I just found your high school graduation and uh, commencement program. And I also found a newspaper from college that has your picture on the front page. Oh, wow. And she said, do you want me to drop them in the mail to you? I'm like, sure, that would be awesome. So sitting on my counter is a picture of me from college with an article and it mentions how at the time I was doing this job and I was um, counted as the top 10 uh, in, the, in the United States in that job. And in the graduation program, I was a graduation speaker. Mm -hmm. So my point is, is if I was to tell the story of my career, mm -hmm. I, I've just been reminded that, success I was having success when I was 20 mm -hmm. and I'm having success now right mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't I didn't even remember that top 10 thing because mm -hmm. I forgot that crap but my point is is that anybody who's at that point of change would do really well they would be really well served by sitting down and writing what is the story of my career what is the story of my marriage what is the story of my family and, and see if that's really the story that, that's going to help them make the change. Or is this the a story that's holding them back? 
Is this a limited story? Is it a negative story? Because you and I both know if we're telling a, constantly telling a negative story, it becomes almost impossible to change anything. Mm-hmm. Anyway, your thoughts on that? I just kind of rambled there. But do, what are your thoughts on that? I, I, well, I love that. And Harrow's great. But I love what is the story of your business or what is the story of your career? I mean, you know, I consider myself a story collector. And this idea with the show of here's everybody's journeys. What nuggets can you take? If this is possible for them, what is possible for you, which can be a growth mindset or like you're mentioning earlier, being a lifelong learner. And, and I, and definitely the stories that we tell ourselves over and over, I mean, this happens in athletics. So like when I work with athletes on just their mindset of what are you feeding your brain before you get up and you compete? That's so important because Carol Dweck at Stanford will say the thoughts that you think can create the results of your life. So when you start to look at, okay, what is a story? Here's something that's interesting. Recently, I made a decision that, you know, when people ask you that common question of how's your day, you know, sometimes I'll be like, oh, it's okay. Or, you know, grumble. And then finally I go, wait, it's amazing. My day is amazing. And why not be amazing? Because I look this morning I was driving by and I saw a jackrabbit. I'd much rather be a human than be a jackrabbit. And I'm, I'm, I'm healthy. My family is healthy. Are there glitches in my life? Absolutely. But do I want to focus on all the negative stuff or the fact that right now, you know, even though I'm 43 and that may be perceived as old, I feel really good. And right now, my life is really good. It is amazing. And so choosing that story instead of, oh, it's okay, because my energy shifts. So I think that goes back to what you were saying about when we go, when we look at what is the story of our career and is this the story? So after we write that out, is this the story that we want to continue or is there something else that we want to change? And, you know, maybe I used to have, as you know, Michelle, I used to love to pitch the tent and build the campfire and have a lot of sob stories. Right. And, and, and commission, and uh, there was a lot of pain and suffering. And so when I started to realize, okay, that's not, I don't like that feeling anymore. What is it that I want to change? And then I started creating that. And you know, it's really, it's, it's really fascinating. So if, if I, I can choose to tell the story that since I was in high school, um, I've always been able to find success. Maybe I wouldn't even say fine. I've always been able to create success. Like I can look at it empirically from this situation, that situation, this situation, this situation, success, 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 success. So if I'm going to make a career change in my life, which I'm not, but if I were, I could look at that story and say, I have all this data that shows me I'm successful. Mm-hmm. I have the ability to create success. So why wouldn't I think I'd go into this change cycle, this period of change coming up in a way that is going to be uh, consistent with my track record. Mm-hmm. And, and again, if I told, told, chose to tell the story, it was like, well, yeah, but I didn't go to the college I wanted to go to. And yeah, but I got this job. And then later I couldn't get promoted. And then, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I had a crazy roommate, whatever. Then I might be feel defeated and unlike, and like I cannot change. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like looking at that, what is that past story And then what do I want it to be to be able to make the change? Then the other thing I think is enlisting your helpers. You know, uh, Joseph Campbell wrote the famous book, uh, The Hero's 
mm-hmm. journey. The men with a thousand faces is, I think, is what it was called. And, you know, he was very involved in Jungian archetypes and, and that sort of thing. But in the, in the hero's journey, there is a point at which, um, along the, the various places in the journey, the hero gets the assistance of others. Like in Star Wars, um, Luke gets help from Obi-Wan and then later from Yoda. It's sort of the same thing. So who's your Obi-Wan? Who's your Yoda? Who's, who are the people who are, you're not asking them to change with you. You're help, you're asking them to help you yourself change. And I want to point this out that I wrote, wrote this in my blog last week. We all have this. So many people have this, um, value around belonging. Mm-hmm. And so let's say I decided I was going to eat a low fat, good fat, uh, no dairy, plant-based diet. There are a lot of people who would like their entire family to come along with them and also their best friends and also their neighbors with whom they socialize. And also, wouldn't it be great if the entire kindergarten class did this? You you know what I'm going with that, Mm -hmm. right? But the reality is we have to be able to make the change just for ourselves. But if we need someone to help us, we need to identify who those people are. So maybe we need a nutritionist a dietitian. Maybe we need a physician because of our own particular health, you know, situation in, in this case of changing your diet. Maybe you need your children to help you remember what it is you're trying to accomplish, to not give you grief when you have a salad and they're having cheeseburgers. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I, I think it's really critical because so mm-hmm. often, um, like I have a client who has loved working with me and she said, um, and she's, we just finished up uh, as, you know, a period of time together and she's going to renew. But one of the, one of the thoughts in her head was I should be able to do this myself. And um, one of the things that I've come to learn is that we all need a team and whether I'm a part of that team or not, it doesn't matter. But having a team and instead of there's that myth of vulnerability of we must do it alone but really it's about having a team of people that you can go to that can help you move forward in your life and that part I think is really important so um to talk about you know when you say like who is your Obi-Wan who's your Yoda Yoda who who are the people on your team for this next step for this next series of change that you may want to make becomes really important yeah, and back to the archetype thing, you know, one of the archetypes of, um, of from Jung is the idea of the innocent, you know, the 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 most childlike um, part of our personalities. And of course, if you look at the Joseph Campbell thing, the 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 innocent is the person who sets out first on the journey because they don't know anything and they're kind of open to anything. However, what I've observed in my coaching practice is a lot of times people really hold on to this innocent thing. And what they'd really like is for someone else to tell them what to do. (laughs) (laughs) And so they don't make a change because they don't trust in their inner knowing enough. They don't trust in their own inner Obi-Wan enough to be able to say, yep, this commute's not working for me. I got to do something different. This diet's not working for me. I'm doing something different, me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm validating myself. Yep, this is the right choice. And here are the three people who I need to talk to to help support me on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
who are the people on your team and not have any shame about, oh, I need some help, right? right? Like you don't have to know everything. It's about finding the right people on the team. And like I use the athletics. I mean, there's a quarterback, but there's other positions that are just as important. Otherwise, the quarterback can't just go and play the game and win the game. There has to be all these different positions on the field, the offense team, the defense team, the kicker, all of that, that needs to happen to get that common goal served. And and the guy with the water bottles and the towels and the trainer and the the guy who launders the uniforms. I mean, uh, there's, you know, we look at any, you know, I hate to say, you know, Tom Brady because of Tom Brady's current situation, but you look at any quarterback and standing behind that guy is a legion of people on, on his team. You look at any other, anybody, uh, Oprah, you know, cast of thousands. And that is, that is really something to, there are very, very few lone wolves in the world who are, who are successful and having an impact in the world. And, and so this, this idea that something's not happening, here's my vision of what needs to happen. Here's, here's where, what I think I need to do. Here's the team that's going to help me. And then it's making that first step toward the thing that you, you want. Now, I'm a firm believer that you have greater success when you move toward what you want and not away from what you don't want. (laughs) Right. And so it's like, like that commute sucked. So I'm going to do this is really not the way to do it. It's like, wow, doing this gives me everything I want. And maybe it's a subtle difference, but I think it's a difference. What about you? Well, I think so, because I think when you move uh, away from what you do not want, that's rooted in scarcity, right? And you're probably not believing you can have what you want. And then when you're moving towards what you want, you're having the belief and there's probably fear. I think that part's really important. And like having my clients, that's one of the things I try to help my clients with is that, yes, you're going to have courage and you're going to be afraid at the same time. And that's okay. It doesn't mean, oh, I've got to get rid of the fear. There's going to be the fear, but you're going to be courageous and afraid at the same time. And But when you move towards it, because there is this unknown that you're not sure what to expect. You don't know. There's a lot of uncertainty. But a lot of times people sabotage themselves because they will do what you said. They'll move away from what they do not want and they'll make a reactive decision instead of a resourceful decision. What do you think? This is why a lot of second marriages fail. (laughs) But really, it's because you think, well, my first husband was a drinker. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to find somebody who doesn't drink at all. Mm -hmm. And it turns out it's not about the drinking. You know, it's about something else. Mm -hmm. Um, And you end up with the same sort of spouse. They just are, they don't drink, right? Mm -hmm. And so I always say, don't, don't react against the thing in the past be informed by it, learn from it, but then, but then say, what is it that I'm looking for here next? It's not that I just don't want Joey, right? That's not it. I mean, you can do that, but it's hard to be successful. It's to say, knowing what I know, what do I want to move towards? What's going to feel right? You know, I recently did a live event here uh, in Washington, D.C. with a group of coaches who were trying to kind of the word I used was amplify their business. And what was really interesting to me is now we're like a month and a half away from it. And when you're talking about um, you're, you're going to be 
fearful, scared, but you're going to be brave at the same time. The number of them that came out with new offers and with new um, fee structures, they began to ask for more because they valued their work more and they're getting it. Um, they came out with different offers because they understand themselves and they're getting it. So it's scary the first time you say, this is what it's going to cost. Here's what I offer. Um, that's scary. And, and you have to do it anyway, because if you don't do it, you'll never get ahead. You'll never get towards the, the goal that you have. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, it's really important to understand that fear is part of this process of going forward in what you want. And it, and, but it's not reckless fear. You know, it's, it's understanding that it's there and feeling the feeling and it's not reacting towards it where you're flight, flight or freeze, but it's saying, oh, here's the fear. I understand this. It's uncomfortable, but I can move through it because this is what I really want to create. And I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to fall down and get back up and fall down and get back up. It's like when you do live performance or you make a speech, right? Uh, if you're going to be an actor on a stage and, you know, you're going to have jitters, the, the best actors have jitters and use the jitters as fuel, um, not debilitating, not throwing up and unable to go forward. But that, that little bit of an edge, that kind of, you know, knowing that you're putting yourself out there. I, I, if you don't have that, you actually don't have a good performance. So, so the same, I feel the same when any of us are stretching or growing. It's that, is this the kind of edge that's going to allow me to grow? Mm -hmm. Am I, am I having the kind of uh, butterflies in my stomach that's going to let me do, you know, an Oscar winning performance or the equivalent thereof? That's the way I think of it. If I'm if I'm about to give a speech or something and my stomach is kind of uh, butterfly-y, I'm like, well, good for me. Mm -hmm. Good for me. <laughs> this is the way it's supposed to be. Good for me. You know, because I'm not so jaded that I'm like, ugh. Well, know? yeah, because you really care. I mean, when, when athletes will say I'm nervous and I say, well, that's a good thing. Because nervous or fear can be a useful emotion or it can be a destructive emotion. Mm -hmm. Right. And it can be useful because all of a sudden the adrenaline comes up. And if you allow yourself to get focused and say, okay, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to do. Versus you can have the fear or the, uh, the anxiety or the nervousness go, oh no, this is happening. And then you start to story fondle all the bad stuff, you know, not getting to the college that you want. Like, so you start showing yourself the evidence of what didn't work. One, one thing I want to add um, on here is when we're talking about, like when I say my life is amazing or today was an amazing day, I'm not pretending that this didn't happen or that didn't happen. I realize it's not, I'm not burying it because that's where then the eruptions come from and, you know, the addictions, the alcoholism, the eating disorders, all of that stuff, because we're trying to run away from those bad feelings. I, I process my bad feelings and then I move on. I process my bad feelings and then I move on. So that's kind of happening throughout the day. And I'm, I'm very honest with, okay, here's some situations that may be going on, you know, and what is it that I want to create from that? What can I learn from it? I'm trying to always be, not always be, but trying to be in that growth mindset instead of letting these negative experiences define me, which then can trigger a shame storm. 
And it's like you're you're absolutely right. It's so such a powerful and important uh, reminder when someone says when I you know open up a client section session and someone says how are you doing today, Michelle? I almost always say spectacular because it is spectacular. I get to do work I love from a place that I'm very comfortable. And right now I'm not wearing any shoes. So life is very good. <laughs> um, but, you know, but and people almost always laugh that I say spectacular, but it is spectacular. That doesn't mean that the carton of milk that went bad in the fridge isn't kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. But on the whole, it is a really spectacular life. And why not own that instead of saying, oh, my God, I'm crazy, busy, busy mm-hmm. whatever, because that doesn't that doesn't really help you. Well, I think we do that because I used to do that. So this like crazy busy, like for me, it was like my hustle for worthiness. Let me show you how hard I work because culturally, that's what we get taught. I mean, who are you to sit there and say your life is spectacular? Who am I to say that it's amazing? But it is. You know, like I think about the, the again, going back to that jackrabbit that I saw, that's a really cute jackrabbit running in the field. And I drove by and I was like, I am so thankful to be human because I really like to talk. And if I was a jackrabbit, I don't know if I could talk, right? So in, in the, the life that I can have and the things and being able to do work that I love and have this radio show, there are so many amazing things of my life. And I have the same stuff, you know, this morning, bringing in the trash cans, taking out the compost. I have all the stuff that we all have, but my life is amazing. Where do I want to focus on? Mm-hmm. And you can have an amazing life and decide something needs to change, right? Mm-hmm. Or something needs to be done. Something, something, maybe some, there is something that you're tolerating, in which case you go through that process of saying, hmm, I'm aware that something, I'm just tolerating something. I'm aware that this is not the way I would like it to be. Here's the vision of what it would like to be. Here's what I'm going to need to do. Here are the people who are going to need to help me. And then here's my, here's my first step toward it. Here's my second step toward it. And then pretty soon you realize that, that you're there. You know, I read an interesting article, which I, I think for some reason it was in the New York Times. And there was an article about how do you change? How do you do change? How do you make change? And the difference between saying I can't and I don't. So for instance, instead of saying I can't eat French fries, I can't eat French fries. To say, I don't eat French fries. Uh I just don't eat them. So when someone says that comes with fries or steamed vegetables, I can say, oh, I don't eat French fries. I'll have the steamed vegetables. Bang. I just made a step towards having a healthier diet. Right? And so instead of saying, um, you know, oh, I can't, which sets up that lack, it sets up Mm -hmm. that famine, sets up that off limits thing, you say, I don't. You know, I don't commute 45 minutes each way to my job. I just don't. I don't work at jobs that require that for me. How, like, inspiring is that? How clear is that? I just I just don't. Mm-hmm. Well, because it's can't is not empowering. Where don't is empowering. You're, you, you're getting to choose. Can't is very you know, childlike. Oh, I can't really do that. It's like that innocent archetype thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's so interesting because I'm really, I don't know about you, but I'm really careful with the words that I use because they can make such a difference just like can't and don't. Mm-hmm. Like I will say, I choose, I choose to eat French fries. Do I want French fries right now? 
you know, and, and then go from there instead of, and I always, when I work with weight loss clients, I always say, you can eat whatever you want. What do you really want? Right. And they usually don't want to eat hot fudge sundaes three times a day. I don't even like hot fudge sundaes, which is hilarious, but, um, they don't usually want to eat that. They, the only times that they want to eat that and binge on that is when they believe they can't have it. Right. I actually just got me thinking about French fries and hot fudge sundaes. So <laughs> I'm actually running through my mind. Is that what I want right now? No, that's not right. I had leftover Chinese food for lunch. So I got that going on. Um, it is that, that sense of I am the best expert that's ever lived on me. Mm-hmm. And so if I don't choose for myself, knowing everything I know about me, if I, if I kind of, outsource that to somebody else to choose for me, mm-hmm. I'm not really standing by myself. Yeah, no, we're not standing by ourselves. So where are we standing? I mean, we're in again in that place where, where it would be great for somebody else to choose whether I'm going to have a hot fudge sundae, french fries, or Brussels sprouts. But isn't, right? but isn't that because then we can blame them if the outcome that we didn't get the outcome that we want we didn't get yeah we can blame them if they're still around (laughs) (laughs) i mean really truthfully but sometimes we allow people to make decisions for us who we are not in a relationship with and we may never see again you know think about it like you're on vacation or you're somewhere and someone says oh really go to this restaurant this restaurant is really great right and so you go and it is either great or it's not great Right. Mm-hmm. But if it's not great, you can say, God, I can't believe I've trusted that woman on the street. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas it could do a little trip advisor. Look, you know, talk to about four people, then decide. Mm-hmm. Then you're making the choice. Is mm-hmm. that too much nitpicky? No, it's I th- it's just about being taking on personal responsibility. Right. Mm-hmm. And even if it winds up being a bad choice, it doesn't mean that you can't make good decisions. Right. Right. It's part of it's an experiment. You're testing things out. Right now, if you keep doing the same pattern over and over again, there may need to be some reflection going on. Mm-hmm. Right. If you keep saying, Oh, I'm going to go back to that restaurant and not believe that you didn't, you know, what you had wasn't that experience. And you go, and, and so sometimes, you know, the same restaurant can be better the next time. Right. But if after like four to 10 times and it's still always bad, why are you still going back? Right. Something else I want to bring up about change though is that. Sometimes I find, I don't know if you have this, but I'll I'll find clients where in order to give themselves permission to leave, because on paper, again, the the job looks so good, but in order to give themselves permission to leave, it has to be toxic. It has to be a bad situation instead of, I've done this, I've learned from this, and now I want to learn something else or I want to have some more growth, right? So that you can actually have change not because it's bad getting out of something bad, but because you want something different. Well, this is sort of a very big meta kind of conversation and idea, I think. But you have to look at how how work has changed in the last 100 years, especially in the United States. Um, so 100 years ago, so many people worked uh, agriculturally, they, and the farmer was the boss, and a lot of people were farm hands. So they looked to the boss. Uh, um, you worked in a factory. A lot of people worked in factories. 
the you look to the supervisor, you look to the boss. Um, in both of those instances, work was very uncertain. Um, it was it was you know um, the boss could you know you could go. Um, yet at the same time, you could also work on that farm for years and years and years. You could work in that plant for years and years and years. Our grandparents, um, a lot of them in the United States, had the same employer for 30 years. And even when I was a child, you know, the idea that you, you go in, you know, as a young person, you stay until you retire, you get a gold watch. And then, as my mother once said to me, you can do anything you want after you retire. But today, especially I would say since the 80s, the 1980s, we've had a huge shift in the way work is done with the, uh, the rise of the, of the dot-com businesses, tech businesses, internet-based businesses, and the, the sort of the demand of the millennial generation, which, by the way, there are currently more millennials alive than baby boomers. First time wow. that that's happened. So, and, and so we have these leftover legacy thoughts. It's like, I have to really uh, make a commitment to my job forever um, I have to do what my supervisor says. I have to kowtow to the boss. There's still a large group of people who got those messages from their family members, and they're still holding on to them, even though today work is completely different. So where I see um, people struggling is that they still have this kind of old view of what work is and what their relationship to their job is. I think it's much better to think about Sports again, free agents, right? We're all free agents. And like in baseball, today I may be, I'm not a professional baseball player, but let's say I was. Today I may be a San Francisco giant, but tonight they could trade me. And tomorrow I could be a Houston Astro. And I think as a professional baseball player, you need to show up. You need to do your job. You need to, you know, do what the coaches ask you and, you know, get get your practice in and and hit your home runs when you need to hit your home runs, that sort of thing. But also aware that tomorrow you could be playing for another team and that will be okay and you'll still do a good job at the next team. We didn't, we weren't, I wasn't particularly, and I don't think a lot of my colleagues were raised with that idea. Hey, we're, we're all free agents, but we are all free agents. Yes, and Dan Pink wrote a book about that being free agents a long time ago. Oh, did he really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was one of his early books. No, we are all free agents. And so what do you want to create? Where do you want to go? And if you are in this great job, like recently I know somebody who was in this, you know, great job, huge raise and really loved it. And then somebody came by and offered her a job and actually the pay was less, but she wound up going because there was, she was ready for the next thing and the growth that could happen. And then where she would be within the company. And so again, change doesn't have to happen because something bad is happening. It could be, where are you on your own professional growth, on your own personal growth? Right. And, and I, as I say this, all of a sudden, like (laughs) there was a voice in my head that said, well, you don't just leave a marriage because when everything's going well, just because you want something, you know, growth. It has to be aligned with your values. Like we, you and I spend a lot of time talking about your values. What is your values? What's your integrity? And, and I'm not talking about, oh, the grass looks greener over here and let's make that change. But you'd said earlier in this conversation about, oh, maybe you've learned everything you can at this job. 
So what is it? What are you looking for in this next phase in your career? And go ahead. I was even going to say in a marriage, you know, I think it's really important if you really realize there's something that you're tolerating and something that's that, you know, that's that is not really what your vision was is that's when you have a really important conversation. It doesn't mean you're going to get divorced, but it could mean that you say, you know, I think we need to have a hobby together. You know, I, 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 I would love to, you know, I, I loved it when we did these things together and I would like to do more of that. So again, it doesn't have to be like the baby out with the bathwater sort of change. But again, the bravery can be, oh, I am, I'm conscious of this and I'm going to bring this up and see if we can't get something closer to this vision. Um, yeah. Do you, do you know what I mean by that? So I, I think that's a, maybe another factor we haven't touched on, but that a lot of people th- equate the word change with um, everything is going to be different. And that's not necessarily the case. Change sometimes means something is going to be different, but everything in general is going to be very similar. Well, and that's really important because uh, I I was listening to, I think it was a TED Talk and this woman who is a marriage counselor and actually deals with a lot of uh, infidelities and affairs in, in marriages. She had said something about that in every marriage, there's three marriages. This is with the same partner. And I was so fascinated, but like kind of the life cycle, you know, who we are and as we go through our own process of change. And so it's not like as change is occurring, it doesn't mean, oh, well, Peter, you know, I need to change and you're going to be here and I'm leaving, right? It's, okay, what is this new vision that we have for our marriage? This is the vision I would like. What's the vision you have? You know, now that our kids that are a different age or now that, you know, I don't know, whatever, whatever's been established. And, and I think that part is really important is to look at that. On the career side, I had a client some years ago who really liked what she did, um, but was written and thought, but she was also struggling because she'd kind of tapped out on her growth at what she was doing. And she kept thinking she had to leave. And she was in kind of an isolated area and her employer was a massive employer. And then one day we were working together and she realized that she didn't have to leave the company, that there could be movement within the company, right? So change doesn't have this be this big, crazy thing. It can be change and what, you know, what again lines with your values, what, what lines with what that you want. And I wouldn't demean it by saying, oh, well, I'm just moving over here within my company. That's not really change. She was creating change in her life. So that's, I think, another important concept for the listeners. Yeah. And, and again, you know, I've had so many people, I always, when people come and say, I, I'm in a toxic work environment and I've just got to find something else. I always work on helping them find relief where they are first. Mm-hmm. And then if that relief doesn't help, then, then let's, let's find it, you know, help them find a new job. And you know, over the 11 years that I've been coaching, it's that amazing. The number of people who are like, you know, I thought I was going to have to leave this job. Mm-hmm. But really what I had to do was, you know, volunteer for a key role organizing the annual meeting, um, get approval to go get my master's degree or, or you know, do whatever that they had to do to get the relief that they needed to get. And it's always, I think, when you're going to make a change or when you feel like you've got this humongous change is to stop and say, what would feel like relief? 
you know, it would be really great relief if I got Paul off my back. Well, how could you get Paul off your back? Well, if I work for Tony, Mm -hmm. okay, how could you go work for Tony? Boom, you're done. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, do you, do you ever, when finding, helping your clients find relief first, do your clients ever, because my clients will say, well, wait a second, I don't want to like my job because then I may not want to leave. And I go, well, you can like your job, but then you can choose to leave. And and I think of it as kind of like it, it like what we were talking about earlier, moving towards what you want instead of m- moving away from what you don't want, right? When you can, if you wind up liking your job and then you say, okay, I like it. And now I know that I can, I want to leave and that's okay. Again, it doesn't mean like we don't have to always leave when things are bad. We can leave when things are going really well, but we want something different or we want a bigger challenge, whatever it may be. And I would also say, you know, with marriage, I mean, I've known a lot of people who said, you know, I left that marriage too soon. And I much rather say, you know what, do everything you can go to therapy, go to couples counseling, do what you can to, to get some relief within your relationship. And if you try everything and you don't get the relief you need, then you can actually leave saying, you know what? I tried everything. And there's a lot of value in saying, you know what? I, I tried everything. We tried everything. Let's shake hands and say, you know, this has been, been great. And it's now it's time for us to end it. Mm-hmm. And and you can do it from a place of real kindness and understanding. Whereas if you just run uh, willy nilly, you you don't have the kind of that beautiful grace of um, a feeling like you know what I tried everything, we tried everything, and it's it's all good. Mm-hmm. You Does mean, that make sense? Yes, the beautiful grace of Michelle Woodward. Uh, well, that beautiful grace. My daughter. Your daughter is her name is her name is Grace, but you also have a lot of grace. Well, bless your heart. So as we wrap up here, because we're now running out of time, um, is there anything else that we didn't touch on about what do you really need to know to know to make a change? No, I think, I mean, I think we've covered it pretty well. It is just that that realization that you've, you've been tolerating or putting up with something that you no longer actually want to put up with, mm-hmm. that you no longer want to tolerate. And then to get that clear vision of, of what would you like instead um, and I guess one thing we didn't talk about is when, what would you like instead um, is often we say to ourselves, oh, I could never have that. Mm. Do, you ever say that? that? Do you ever say that to yourself? No. <laughs> <laughs> because I know if I can say it out loud, I can probably make it happen. And if I can't make it happen, it's probably it's not really the right vision anyway. Do you know what I mean? I mean, uh-huh. I could never be a lineman a linebacker for the Washington Redskins. First of all, I don't even like the team. But <laughs> they don't even have, they don't have 55 year old people play that position, nor do they have 55 year old women play that position. So I could say, gosh, my life would be just so full if I could be a football player. And the truth is that would be sort of dopey. However, I can buy season tickets. I can have watching parties. I can read the sports section every day. I can go to fan meet and greets. I can wear a jersey. And it won't be playing, but it is what I can do given all the situations of my life. And to kind of get to the place where that feels great 
is really, instead of lamenting, I can, I can't be a linebacker for an NFL team, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, Michelle, well, thank you so much. And I look forward to talking with you next month. Woohoo. You are a pleasure. And every time it's so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. Hello there. I'm back. So what do you think about that? What do you think? Is change scary for you? I loved how we talked about how change doesn't mean that everything has to be different. So often we want change, but it's also the thing that we're so afraid of because it means uncertainty. And how do you deal with uncertainty? Especially if you've been a lifelong planner and wanting control. So really getting clear about what may be the grumblings, what may be the yearning inside that may be the catalyst for wanting this change, whether it's a toxic workplace or wanting some more professional development, personal growth, opportunities at work in your career. And there's no right or wrong answer. And that's so, so important. There is no right or wrong. But it's when you can come from a place where you're grounded in you, the best of you, not rooted in scarcity and not puffed up to prove your worthiness, right? Where you're grounded in you with your values, with your personal integrity, and with the life, the vision that you want to create for yourself. It's not about what other people think you should do. I've done that. I've asked a hundred people, did that many years ago. And, but that was never, didn't resolve anything because I wasn't able to listen to my own voice. I wasn't able to listen to what was going on inside of me and to also feel uncomfortable and the uncertainty of it. And it's okay to feel discomfort. It is temporary. It is okay to to not feel good all the time. You know, Brene says that you need to feel the bad feelings in order to feel the good feelings. You want to feel the wide spectrum. What we don't want to have happen is where we live in bad feelings 24-7. And that's when I talk about pitching the tent, building the campfire, and inviting people. I was really good at that. I could get people to come and sit there and I would go through people because it was exhausting to be constantly in, as my clients hear me say, that neighborhood, right? Where you're in that just swampland neighborhood and woe is me, poor me. And all you're doing is fondling that and reinforcing that. And so the windows of possibility get shut down for you. You can't see what's possible. You're not creating it because you're creating prison walls in your brain of what is possible. But that's not you because you're here listening to the show where inspiration and possibility meet, right? Where I invite you to take these nuggets and go and apply them in your life and to practice them, not let it define you, but learn from them. Like really for us to get into that growth mindset, how awesome is that? So thinking about change as it could be small steps, it could be something big, but it doesn't matter as long as it's in line with what you want and who you are. And those are the first things. So like the awareness bit, you know, what do you really know to make a change? You need to know who you are. You need to know what the situation may be and what part it may be drama because maybe you like that. I used to like a lot of drama in my life because that was a way, as I mentioned earlier, to prove my worthiness, see how much I have to overcome, right? Instead of just being joyful. And, and we have that kind of stick to us of, no, look, I didn't get much sleep last night. I didn't do this, or I'm too busy of a person to take care of myself. And that's why I'm so busy taking care of other people. But that's all drama. And that's getting in the way 
of creating what you want. And creating what you want can be a shame trigger because there can be that voice, who the hell do you think you are? You're so up and mighty. There's nothing wrong for asking what you want and for doing the work to get there, to achieve whatever level of success that you're going for. Right? There's no right or wrong success. For some people, it there may be becoming an Olympian, right? That was definitely Scott Welch's goal in the later part of his career. That may not be the goals of other people. It really isn't. And that's only an opportunity that comes once every four years. But what does success mean to you? I'm not an Olympian. It doesn't mean that I haven't created a successful, successful life for myself, right? So what is it that you want? And you're not a bad person for wanting things. But just like Michelle had said in the conversation, you know, if she said, hey, I want to be a, you know, a football player for the Washington Redskins, she's a 55-year-old woman, not going to happen, right? So we're not saying pie in the sky, but what is it that you want to create? It's so amazing. I think about, you know, me years ago wanting a show where somebody could, as Michelle said, tell me what I was doing wrong so that I could have better work-life balance. And now I don't even believe in work-life balance. But that was the catalyst for me eventually starting this show. It was like, oh, there's got to be a better way. Let me go and learn from all these amazing people. And that started back in 2006, right? So it was, I wound up saying, instead of moving away from what I didn't want, I was like, okay, I know I want to create something better. I thought it was life balance. And I realized that's not what it was right? And I also realized I wasn't doing it all wrong or I wasn't as bad as I thought. And those are the things that we say to ourselves so often that get in our way and make us dim down. So getting clear about what you want without thinking you're a bad person for wanting what you want, right? And then working towards that and building that because who knows what is possible for you. And the change doesn't have to be huge. It's going to probably be scary. And it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be afraid and courageous at the same time. So often people think that they have to put the afraid away. No, they probably go hand in hand. It's just, can you use that fear as a useful emotion to move you forward? Can you get yourself fired up and focused and say, okay, I know I'm afraid and that's okay. What are the things that maybe I want to have a safety net in? If I want to change jobs or if I'm going to quit my job tomorrow, you know, the fear may be, oh my gosh, you're going to be able to get paid. Maybe the answer to that is, what kind of safety net can I build in? And that's where the fear can be helpful is that it can provide some, um, I guess the safety net. I just keep like using that word. So those are the things to be thinking about as you consider making changes in your life. And here's the other thing. We're constantly changing. Martha Beck has her awesome change cycle where it's the four squares. And no matter what, like we may be striving to go into that promised land and there may be parts of your life where you're in the promised land, but we're constantly rotating. And I'll have a picture of the the four change, uh, the, the change cycle and the four squares on this podcast page. So you can go back and take a look at that. And so you can get understanding because there's four different squares, but in different areas, like in some parts of my life, I'm married to the love of my life. I'm in my promised land, right? And in then other areas, I may be going through my hero's journey. In other areas of my life, I may be dreaming and scheming. And in other areas, I may be dissolving some limiting beliefs about what's going on. So you're constantly in this change. Change is going to happen. Whether you want it or not, how are you going to move through it? You get to decide that. 
And on this final note, I want to circle back to this can't versus don't. One of the things about can't is that it's very disempowering, right? It's being like being an emotional child. I can't do this. I can't do that. Putting restrictions on ourselves. And there's a lot of judgment on ourselves. And then it triggers I'm good or bad versus look, I don't do this. You know, I don't do that. Or I do. I, I make sure I sleep so many hours a night. I go to bed early. That's what I do. And I can't say that that's something I've always done. But choice is empowerment versus can't is disempowering. So really, I invite you to honor the words that you use. Do you know now if you're ready for change? Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. All right, you guys, I'm inviting you to join our community at howshereallydoesit.com and sign up for my weekly newsletter. It's been great to hear from all the listeners and the subscribers. And it's a little joy in my inbox when you hit reply once a newsletter goes out and you send me a little message. I just love that. So thank you so much. And a special thanks to Michelle. I just love having conversations with her. And I know you guys love having her back on a regular schedule. So thank you so much for listening. And if you like what you're hearing, please head over to iTunes and leave a comment there. I really love the comments or we keep increasing our ratings, but I go back and that's my little feel of getting information from you guys. Does this resonate? Does it not? The emails help as well. But thanks so much for leaving those iTunes reviews. And it also helps showcase our show to other people. And this really is your show too, because I do it for you. So you can find out how to do the iTunes things by going over to my website and there'll be directions. And it's now time to do a shout out to VJ Geek for taking the time to leave a comment on iTunes. Thank you very much. And until next time, I'm smiling big for you. And remember, change does not have to be big and it will probably be scary, but you will be okay. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting.